Hi, I'm Sean from Tribality.com, and you're listening to the Dungeon Master's Block. Yar, mateys, and welcome back to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block. The place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Captain Chris. Ahoy, and I be <laughs> Captain Mitch. Alright, we're done with that voice for now. <laughs> Today, I ain't done with that voice. <laughs> Today we have a fun episode for you, dealing specifically with, if you haven't guessed it, pirates and pirate campaigns. We're joined by Sean from Tribality.com, another one of our gracious friends from Tribality who said he wanted to join us and speak into our lives a little bit pertaining to pirate campaigns. We're really excited for this interview as well. Like all of our other friends from Tribality, he's going to blow your mind with some of the things he's going to talk about. Aye. He has he has a great wealth of knowledge pertaining to pirates and pirate campaigns from all different lores of D&D and from the real world itself. Aye, he be a smarty pants, that yeah, one. Yes, he does. He is very, very smart with us. So we have a lot of fun planned for this episode dealing specifically with pirate campaigns. Mitch and Sean have a specific second segment in this episode where they speak specifically in pirate talk, so stay tuned and listen to that. But before we get into the story time of this episode, let's jump into shoutouts. And so this week, we have one from DM Crosseye. It says, impressive, dot, 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 most impressive. Five-star review. It says, maybe you like d and be a Star Wars reference there. Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe you like D&D, or maybe, like me, you have never been closer than two feet from an RPG. This podcast is a blast. You don't even have to have played the game before, though a little interest does help. Great show, and beware of the level 20 commoners. <laughs> I broke out of character on that one. Har har har. Har har har. Alright. I mean, alright. Here come the next shout out. This one is entitled Good Stuff. And it's by Jay Caprari. Jay Caprari writes These guys, these mateys, know what they are talking about. I've been listening to Mitch for years now. Captain Mitch, that is. He's got good stuff. <laughs> I would listen if they produced every day. Hashtag welcome to the block party. <laughs> Alright, thanks for that, J-Cap. Thank really you, Jay Caprari. Jay Caprari. Jay Caprari loves his dungeons and dragons. Yes, he does. That's, that is very, very true. So, without further ado, let's jump into story time. Land ho! <laughs> Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. Alright, this week for story time, we're going to be talking about my last time that I DM'd for your guys' group, and you guys just got done defeating your second dragon, the white dragon, uh, in the mountain called Mount Cremor, uh, just a couple days walk north of Violet Mill, the city that you guys were last in with the king, who, if you remember last time we talked about my campaign, he was, he was scared and nervous about the talk of dragons infiltrating the royal courts around the world of Panthea, and he decided, you know what, I think there's one here because I have five people in my court that are being very pushy and trying to push their agendas on me, and I want to make sure that none of them are one of these dragons. And so he called you in to do some investigatory work. You guys Investigatory? Found investigatory. Strategy. <laughs> investigation work. 
whatever you want to call it, investigation work, and you guys decided, or you guys, you guys found out that one of the elves, Thor, or Torin Silverleaf, was the White Dragon. He didn't know what dragon he was, but he was a dragon. You followed him up to Mount Cremor, defeated him, and then you guys were on your way back. And Mitch, what happened on your way back? Uh, we were on our way back, and we had a random encounter, weird random encounter. Basically, these zombie, almost skeleton creatures come out. They've got cobwebs all over them. They're humanoid, but they almost look a little monkey-ish. Yeah. <laughs> like, in yep. their skulls and everything. Uh, well, we take care of them, no problem. Yeah, easy no peasy. Problem. There was like four squeezy. or five of them. Yeah. Didn't take you long. Yep. Nope. And so we keep going, like, all right, that was a little that weird. That was weird. Uh, zombies out in the jungle, that's strange. But we've got a mission to do, so we're heading back. Yeah, there's not much that you could do at that point. Yeah. It's like, well, we, we're we not going to get back. Yeah. We're, we're, we're carrying a dragon <laughs> in the cart behind us, dragon parts. Yeah. We have like 15 other soldiers with us. You're like, that was weird. Not much we can really do about that. Not worth our time. And then you Welcome guys to just, a fantasy Yeah, world. right. Welcome to a fantasy world where <laughs> random stuff like that happens. And then along our way, we get captured. Yep. A you whole guys, ton of eight men come yep. down. You guys are a good long distance ahead, kind of scouting mm-hmm. forward from the cart. The cart's carrying a dragon, which is pretty pretty slow going. Uh, and so you guys are quite a ways ahead of the scouting out ahead of ahead of them, and you guys get captured. You yeah. have a whole bunch of eight men start throwing spears down. Kind of, they're not hitting us. They're going all around us. Uh, my guy is not the biggest fan of being threatened. Well, what uh, is your Karab, guy? Yeah. the wizard barbarian? Yeah. So the barbarian uh, side of him barba- is just like his temper is completely barbarian right. driven. <laughs> he's smart, but he's got a big temper on him. And so, spears start coming down, they don't hit us, I, of course, cast mage armor, cast all the shield, cast all the appropriate stuff, thinking, alright, time to kill some ape right. men. They come down, and they're making ape sounds, and they're poking us. Yeah. They're well, not Caleb's, trying to attack us. Caleb's character before this went invisible, invisible but so he's, he's like, he's running all, around. Caleb's character went invisible, but then he notices that all of us are, we're ready to kill these oh, things. Yeah. We're ready to attack, even though we're severely under. And he under. knows a little bit more about what's going on yeah, than you he guys. Is he is totally like, I want to talk to these people. I don't want to fight. I want to have peaceful terms. He makes himself uninvisible and starts throwing some diplomacy out there. By that point, I had been poked one two time too many by some, spear- some spears. So I cast Enlarge Person. I get huge. I cast a spell that turns my blades that I'm holding on fire. And I'm just standing there with this great sword on fire. Huge. Well, you turned your mountain. You turned well, your mountain. Well, that didn't too. come later until oh, later. Right, yeah. And so I'm just huge and I'm just staring down these apes and I'm rolling a good intimidate check. They're all like, oh no. Yeah. But then this big one comes out and it's just not as intimidating. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, he's you're like, what, we like, outnumber him. Yeah, come you're on. like, what, 10 feet yeah. tall or something like that? He so, comes out, he's like 8 <laughs> feet tall. He's pretty big. He's like, come on, dude. So like, I, I, uh, I then hit my horse with the enlarged <laughs> cell and jump on top of this huge horse now. Yeah. And now they're all a little bit more intimidated, I would think. Yeah. They, um, oh yeah, they were. I'm ready for a fight. I'm like, my player knows that I'm like not supposed to fight at this yeah. point, but like, player through my character is like, I just want to chop these things down. And Part of was, that being, I have six or seven spells cast on myself yeah, right now. Yeah, but and there was Caleb a ton was, of them around you guys, yeah, too. Caleb so there was, was no going way. to roll diplomacy and things like that, and I didn't want to be that jerk, and I knew that this was the way that we should go. Right. And so I wasn't going to... And I'm, and I'm a good character, so I'm actually going to lob off heads if right. I feel like I don't need to. But we get captured... And basically these apes are just like, did you steal our princess? And we're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, we meet with the king, and did you steal our princess? No, we didn't steal your princess. Well, because they had had other other guards that had gone missing before, so they're yeah. like, okay, 
they don't have the best past with everybody around them, and they just kind of are like, okay, what's going on? Did somebody, did you, did you steal? <laughs> We're like, look, here's a dragon head. <laughs> yeah, we right. had other things to deal with. And they're just kind of like, dragons? Like, yeah. Dragons don't exist. Yeah, like, right. And we're like, you dumb monkeys. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, and they're like, they're like, did you steal our princess? We're like, no. Uh, however, we did see this. And we told them about these apes that came at us, these zombie apes with cobwebs. And basically one thing led to another and they're like, we're going to keep your men. You guys go and find out what happened to our, our princess or we're not going to let you go. And we're like, well, we could just leave, but we're not going to leave our men behind. Right, right. And so we got roped into this quest by these monkeys to go find their their gorilla princess. And we're just like, oh my gosh, fine. Caleb's all like, I want to help these guys. Caleb, this is awesome. Well, Caleb, I'm Caleb's, just like, I'd rather just chop Caleb's them all down. Caleb's character is a diabolist. So he's yeah. like... He He's understands like the outcast. Yeah, he like, understands the outcast thing because yeah. his family like is pretty important in the city you're from. But at the same time, a lot of people have never seen a Diablos before. So if you don't know who they are, you're gonna be pretty skeptical. And so he's got like this weird like, I connect with them. We're yeah. having this heart to heart moment. <laughs> I need to help them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we do. We go and we find this. We follow the trail back to where we originally were. Yeah, they and said eventually this, is, we find this is kind of where we think they would yeah, be. Yeah, eventually we find this lair, uh, this cave, and we go in and we find all these webbed up bodies and we try to open them up and all of a sudden we get hit by swarms of spiders and the bodies come alive and start attacking us. And so yeah, the minute zombies you rip one fight, open, spider like, swarm fight, yeah. we fight them, we destroy them. We had two people who have levels in clerics, so they're just turning zombies, which I know you as the DM were just like, ugh. Well, I didn't know one of our <laughs> players took, like, it was yeah. his first time ever taking a level in cleric, and I didn't get a chance to really talk with everybody before we started the night. And so he was just like, oh yeah, I turned things undead too. And I was like, oh my gosh, you can do that three <laughs> times a day, plus your, like, was it Charisma Modifier, I yeah. think, for that? I'm just like, oh my god. And they rolled really well. And they rolled really well. It's like, so all the zombies just running away from us. Uh, yeah. I, of course, am like, ah, I, we're in a dungeon. I want to split us up. That's yeah. what I usually like to do. Yeah. I think that leads to really good, fun times, even though it leads to dangerous, terrible times. Yes. That's the best kind of time. Yep. Uh, so, everybody's like, alright, what are we going to do? And I'm just like... I know what I want to do, split up the party, <laughs> but I don't want to make things harder for Chris or for you guys. And, like, you're just like, oh, I have no problem you split it up. I'm like, let's split up, man. Yeah. I'm like, if you have no problem Well, the with reason it, I had no problem up. with it was, was because, because had two turn, we had two turn yeah. undeads. I was like, please, do split up, because that makes things way more fun for me. <laughs> so we split up, and hashtag Magic Mark and brother Casey, your yep. brother Casey, go off in one direction. Uh, me and Caleb go off in another direction. And I'm just chopping down zombies. Chop no, I don't even think I bothered zombies. Basically, yeah. M Magic Mark kept making the mistake of trying to figure out how to destroy the bodies without awakening them. They kept on awakening, so he just kept on having to deal with zombie after zombie after zombie. Well, there was one point in time where he like he's like, "All right, don't touch the things on the wall or whatever." <laughs> and or no, what he he killed the spiders that were in the room. They didn't touch the the sacks of bodies on the wall. And there was this moment where he's all of a sudden like, "Yeah, I go up to it and I just burn that one." I was like. Okay. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. I, don't. I was like, no, no, no. You totally were going to do that. Yeah. Regardless of what you're trying to tell me now. He's like, all right, fine. And he does it. And there's like 10 zombies yeah. that start coming at him. I was just like, oh, gosh. And your brother's just like, come on, Yeah, Mark. my brother's like, my brother's like, come on. Because he's a ranger. Yeah. He's only got like 30 or I think like 40 some health now. And he's just like, seriously? Like, there's only two of us. Which is so funny because I'm the one who wants to split the party. Uh, and me and Caleb are like ripping the parts. We didn't bother any more zombies. No, we you just did the spiders. We got the spiders and we're like taking poison damage. But like I've got pretty good fortitude. Yep. So 
I'm the one that's gonna well, hurt. And he Caleb's has like, he has some restoration yeah. spells. Caleb's and stuff. getting strength damage. He's like, whatever. Like, yeah, he's like, I'm not about strength. Yeah. Like it, I will heal it later. Yeah, and I'm just ripping apart spiders. We're like, we're destroying, and they're just like zombies. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so we eventually get to this point. Me and Caleb get to this point where we walk into this room and we see. Well, at least I walk into the room because he goes and helps yeah, the other guys. Yeah, he goes and helps the other guys because he's like, I'm oh, like, crap. I'm going ahead still. Yeah. Split the party mentality. Yeah. I've got tons of spells in me. I'm like, I want us. I haven't to this point had Karab do what I've wanted Karab yep. to do, which is kick freaking butt. Yeah. When I have seven enchantments on me, I want to do something good. Right. So I finally get ahead and I see the princess caged in a web of a web cage, and I'm like, okay, I know the drill here. Chris wants me to step into the room. <laughs> Chris wants me to get attacked by a ton of things. (laughs) They're all waiting in there. I know it. There's no monsters being seen. Wonder what could happen. It's definitely not an empty room. So I use my whirling blade attack, which is I can throw my blade like 60 feet in a straight line, and I just chop the... I'm like, I don't want to hit her. I just want to chop the... Yeah, she's sitting down on the ground. I want to chop the cage. So I rip open the cage. She runs over to me. She's like, thanks. And like, in her monkey voice, and I don't even think she said thanks. She's like, ooh, ooh, ah. Yeah. And I'm like, get out of here. Go <laughs> yeah. find my partners. Yeah. Like, she runs like, back down the I hallway. know what's going to happen. And of course, a huge drider comes down as well, which is a drow slash spider hybrid. Basically, a drow who's been cursed by the god Loth. And so, comes down, and then I think six more spiders come yeah, down. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I run to the room, I'm like, here we go. And yeah. I just... I, I run to the room and I throw my sword. Well, because you and I said hit something. Like, uh, I hit three of them, and then I've got Dryder and all these other spiders on top of me, and I'm going to town just chopping them apart. Uh, it was a crazy battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost I got really well, Caleb ended badly up coming hurt. into Caleb the room a little bit, which helped. Yeah. Fire element, little fire elementals. Yep. Doing a little bit of distraction, which was needed. But yeah, because he distracted finally, like two or three of the spiders yeah. on you. Yeah. Crop finally performed what he was good, what he wanted to. I know, as DM, from your point of view, you might have had this. Ah, oh, this battle was supposed to be more difficult. Yeah. Like I wanted, I want if if there's one character in the room only, I would want him to pun it, be punished for this. But I, who has not had Crop work out. That was my moment of glory. Well, you, I remember you I, like. So I just told you recently, like I think this week after that battle, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if Crab's gonna save up for weapons or anything. He might just go to a bank and say, here's my money, guys, revive me if I die yeah, because right. I love Crab.' Right? That much. Yeah, because you're like, you're like, man, after experiencing that, I want to run into every battle head yeah. first, you know? And you're just like, maybe I'll just start a revival like yeah, bank revival account, fund, just resurrection yeah, yeah, fund. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, and you at one point I, in time, I need D and D life insurance. Yeah, right. I need <laughs> you at one point in time said, "Oh, there's a drider. Where's the Where's the underdark? Like where the, yeah. it's got to be around here somewhere." Well, if you would have looked hard enough, there was there an was archway an that you could have gotcha. gone through. It's it needed I'm going back. it needed I'm a going to the underdark. well. You don't you don't know this, but you needed know, a particular. It's a it's a it's a gateway that you have to put a specific key gotcha. item through, and then the portal opens up. It takes you into the underdark, yeah. and then. But you guys didn't. You guys didn't find that, or see that, or know that. So, so thanks to Karab, the princess was saved. Yes, the princess was saved. <laughs> the princess was saved, and we headed back. Uh, we. I didn't make you fight all the rest of the zombies that were running yeah. through the cave. That they turned running around dead. scared because <laughs> yeah. it only lasts like ten rounds. So yeah. eventually, it's not a. But <laughs> those annoying clerics could have done it. Yeah, they could have six more the... times, and that's why I just skipped yeah. it. I was like, yeah. screw it, I don't care anymore. <laughs> and so we went back Ape Town. <laughs> and we gave the princess back. They're like, all right, you can go now. We're like, thanks, we appreciate it. Yeah. We went back to Violet Mill. Well, you also got some treasure from the, the Drider 
Lair too. Oh yeah, yeah. Which got, was, I was like, the apes didn't give us. No, treasure. the apes didn't. <laughs> well, they gave us no, bananas. <laughs> no, the apes didn't give you treasure. You guys found some treasure. Uh, Don't in remember the, what it was. I there was a scroll, a couple scrolls. There were two or? scrolls. There was a a wand of delay poison. Delay poison. Yep. Yeah. So you guys found a wand of delay poison. Caleb also found a potion, which he thinks is a potion of restoration. We got that stuff. We headed back. We got rewarded for killing the dragon. Yep. And we got quite a bit of gold. Some of which we decided, hey, let's go and get yeah, you. <laughs> what what you guys? I think what you guys got from the drider layer, you guys decided to use for gambling money is what mm-hmm. you ended up doing. So you guys went and gambled. So we we're yeah, like, you hey, guys, we can either make this into something huge or we can lose whatever. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, you guys went and gambled for a little while, which is always fun as a DM to watch your players. I came out on top so, this time, not by much. Yeah, not by much. Top. But you you went way up and then you went way down and then and I did. kept going because I was like probability. I gotta win one yeah, of these yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. And I did. Yep. So you okay. guys, you guys ended up with a little bit of gold. I don't think anybody really lost any. I think Mark might have been the only one that lost some. But that was what happened uh, last time in my campaign. I'm excited to do the next one. I've got it all planned out already. Super excited for it. Uh, but with nothing else, let's head into the meat. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Alright, so for today, for the meat section, we have a special guest from Tribality. Once again, we're pretty excited about uh, just having that shared connection with Tribality.com. We hope if you haven't gone and checked them out by now, that you go right now, pause the podcast, and go check out Tribality. Uh, But today we have Sean from Tribality joining us, and we are going to be talking about pirate campaigns. We're really excited about that. Who doesn't love pirates? I mean, everybody's got to love pirates. Yeah, whether you do them a lot or a little within your campaign, it's something (laughs) that when you run into a pirate, you know it and you remember it. Exactly. And if you don't like pirates, well, why the heck are you playing this episode? Because the title makes it pretty clear what this is about. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, So, uh, Sean, welcome to the Dungeon Master's Block. Thanks for having me, and uh, happy to be here. Good to have you. We're excited to, for this interview. So, Chris, let's let's start by just uh, asking Sean some questions, as we always do, and getting to know Sean a little bit. Yeah, so, Sean, you told us before we started recording, and I want you to explain this to the audience a little bit. When did you start playing Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, so I started playing Dungeons & Dragons like a lot of people. Uh, you know, not when it first came out, because I'm not that old, but, right. you know, when it was kind of like the tail end of first edition, um, I started reading the Dragonlance books, and a bunch of my friends were playing, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG and <laughs> and uh, you know we were playing Dragonlance and like I was that player I was like the guy I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be a Kinder Thief and they're like oh good Kinder Thief <laughs> so it's yeah. like you know oh, that, it makes and, everybody excited yeah. doesn't yeah. it right so I was chaotic annoying whatever that would be <laughs> chaotic annoying <laughs> there you go so it was pretty bad I mean I, I had no interest like I was pretty hyper back then I had no interest in in role playing or fighting or doing anything my interest was to potentially ruin the game for everybody so sabotage and kill all your fellow friends yeah and so, then walk away yeah. from the table and say hey we're still friends right right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well they, they, there was worse things i did in real life so <laughs> than killing and losing <laughs> no, quite no from an annoyance perspective. Oh, oh oh okay all right so, uh, yeah so that was like you know back in middle school or you know whatever and then so we we went and played and and that was fine and everything but i kind of fell out of it for for a while there for sure in the uh in the third edition days. 
Yeah. And you said you picked it back up again about four or five years ago with fourth edition again. Yeah, I kind of like started like dabbling with it and, and, you know, a couple other RPGs, but it kind of disappeared and, uh, you know, went to the, the evil video games and, and played all those awesome RPGs out there. And it gave me uh, lots of ideas. And then I got bored of them. And I was like, you know, maybe I could do more if we were playing with real people. Right. So you started Tribality. How long ago did that start? So I was just, uh, as I was getting into more serious into uh, DMing, I just kind of uh, started putting my notes into a, a blog. And I had a URL kicking around called tribality.com, that, and I had a logo. And I, I don't know what I was going to do with it. I had a couple of plans. And I just like, I'll throw it up here or whatever, because I couldn't think of a better name. And uh, then, you know, next thing I know, it's about four months later, and uh, one of my friends who was in my campaign, who was playing a uh, halfling thief, he was uh, a DM as well, and you know he was kind of making this Facebook group, which is really popular. And I'm like, you're just giving away all these scoops. He's getting like press releases from Wizards, and he's putting all this <laughs> up. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, so then I'm like, you know, you should be putting this up on a website. I'm like, here, here you go. Here's my blog. I'm barely using it. I post it like <laughs> once every two weeks. Right. And uh, you know, he he started putting in, he put up this one article, and all of a sudden our traffic went from like say. I don't know, 50 people a month to like, 50 people an hour or something. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, um, okay how about we keep doing this? So then yeah, we, right, right. You know, and, and, and we just kind of like, you know, started going from there. And, you know, we started bringing on authors. Like, you know, you've talked to Rich, and I think yep. you might be talking to JM sometime. Yeah, that episode's coming out soon. Yeah, so well, it, it already, it already did come out. Yeah, yeah. It's when we're, I got to remember We're that. from the future. Yeah, so let me, let, me, let me do that again. The episode already came. Yeah, the episode came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so there you go. So I'll have to listen to that one in the. Oh, guys, now I just ruined it. <laughs> Dude, we're not it. Why would we edit this out? This is brilliant. <laughs> I can't time this travel. This is so good. <laughs> you guys are like a million episodes in. You know how to time shift. I'm like, it's the future. <laughs> it's the future. We're, well, we're just like your Philippines buddy who is like a day ahead all the time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, one of my players, he's 12 hours ahead. So when we start on Friday night, he, uh, you know, he's already Saturday morning. So. <laughs> Tell us about the news from the other side of the world. <laughs> exactly. What What's happens in the future? You should start posting that on your website. He rolls really well. I don't know if that has something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So you, uh, how many authors do you have now on Tribality.com that are, are regularly posting things? So we have six uh, writers who have columns, and some of them have more than one column. And then we have you know, a few times a month we bring in guest uh, writers. We're always looking for guest writers, and a couple of our writers started as guest writers. But we're also, we, we get a lot of people asking, like, hey, you know, how can I get involved? And, you know, if they're not a writer, that doesn't mean just because you can't write, like, oh, I've made this build of a, a flying pterodactyl PC. Like, I don't know if Rich has made that one yet or not. But, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like not everybody's going to be a game designer, right? And right. not everyone's been DMing enough to give a ton of advice. Like, you know, I haven't been DMing for 20 years. So, you know, my advice is a lot about like, hey, I'm a rookie world, world builder. Or, hey, here's 10 monsters to use in your campaign because I've never ever even had my players in the desert. Yeah. So you'll see a writer like me who writes like that. And then you'll have other people who are like, you know, professional writers and professional game designers, right? Right. So it's a good blend. So, you know, we're looking for people who can, you know, write from any angle or uh, we're also looking for people to go and start building out of the community we're kind of working on. And, you know, I don't exactly know which way we're going. Like we're looking at a forum and some other stuff, but we're trying to, uh, you know, work on that. And I've already talked to a few people about that. You know, you know, people could be involved as a moderator or whatever. I don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I'm sure yeah. by the time this airs, I'll already have like the community you know fully functioning new version sure. of the website. yeah right right 
So what is, if you had to sum up your goal for tribality, what would, what would you say that would be? Well, really like all we wanted to go and do was give a place where DMs like me can dump their notes, which is where I started, you know, like, Oh, I thought of this. I wanted to share it. You know, instead of dumping it into like Facebook or onto a tweet or whatever, which is fine. Um, you know, it just gave a, a place for all of us to put stuff out there. And, you know, the nice thing is if, you know, you write something decent, you'll, you know, you get kind of a synergy with all the different people coming for all the different writers, you know, somebody comes for this writer and then they read your stuff. So instead of just having your own blog, which is what a lot of us had, you know, now that you're all together, instead of having like content come out once every two weeks or once a week, there's content coming out, you know, two or three times a day. Right. Keeps people interested and stuff like that. Yeah. Or yeah, at least it's, they're going to see something they like. <laughs> right. Yeah, that too. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's cool to me to see you guys doing this because it's, it's something that I don't think has been around for a long time. Like, I mean, if you just post something on Twitter or Facebook, you're kind of just throwing it out into the nether region of the internet and hoping somebody, <laughs> somebody picks up on it. But this way, it's a little bit more directed. DMs can come and they can find something that they're like, wow, this is, this is really cool. I can really, really use this for my campaign. So I, I personally just applaud you guys for that. That's that's such a cool thing that you guys are doing. And I can tell you already there has been a ton of people that we've talked to that have benefited from your website. So yep. keep it up. You guys are doing an awesome job there. Well, that's great to hear. And, like, you know, the sad thing is is I've even used my own articles because I'm like, instead of looking up my notes, I'll just quick, I have the site up all the time. I just quickly search and I'm like, oh, man, I need something for a forest. I'm like, oh, right, that's the one I did. It was number three. <laughs> all right. Man, this article's great. Man, I'm who like, wrote oh, I this article? That. That, that was a pretty good idea. Maybe I should make a caveman here. Hey guys, check out this article. Whoever wrote this is brilliant. So I don't know about that. Let me I just share forget. again on Facebook. Yeah, right. right. I just, I'm just forgetful, so if I don't write it down, I don't even remember what I said. Right, right. And so, how do you play with your players? You said you don't you don't play with them in person. So how do you go about playing well, with them then? I like I I play with my family, and I'm trying to get into Ventures okay. League at my local store, trying to get nice. rolling and everything. But when I play my regular game, the way the game I've had a Friday game since. Oh, I don't know, probably March or April last year. So it's been going on. And it's on Roll20, like the online, uh, you know, tabletop tool, uh, Roll20.net. So that works out really well because a lot of times campaigns, you know, oh, they're from the Internet and people come in, they come out. And a lot of them are very one shot ish. But there's also some campaigns that are long term. They're just as same as a home game. So that works out pretty well. And we have players from all over the U.S. I'm up in Canada. We have a player from the Philippines. So. You know, you get a good mix of people, right? Depending on the time zones. Yeah. I don't play with Europeans a lot. I have, but they tend to be asleep when I'm playing or right. when I'm asleep. Yeah. So, yeah. so I've run a, I've run a few campaigns on there. I ran a uh, Adventure Time. Have you ever heard of that cartoon? Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Oh my gosh, I'm a Mitch huge fan. <laughs> so huge somebody fan. wrote, somebody. I know you love 4th Edition, but somebody wrote 4th Edition for us. <laughs> and 4th Edition was, you know, that was where it was at for me. I, you know, for this one, it worked. And uh, just the worst rules ever to use for Adventure Time. Should have been like Fate <laughs> or anything, right? But, right. Um, you know, we used that and, and we ran that campaign. And, you know, one of those players is still in my uh, Friday game now. And, you know, it's crazy because you, know, you got a crystal warrior and you have a a ghost thief a ghost thief is like the most invincible character ever <laughs> they can they can go through pretty walls. much like a level, they have a level one daily where they can go through walls so it's just you, know, you can imagine how hard it is and and what i did in that is i went and made tokens and all the rest for wall 20 so i tried to keep the look of the cartoon so i get um if you search online you can find backdrops from the cartoon and you can take the tokens so 
people are moving around Adventure Time looking tokens on an Adventure Time looking background. Sometimes I do like overhead like you would with a grid. Sometimes I would just put like a, a background and we would side scroll. <laughs> okay. So you have like, you know, like the Final Fantasy where you have a battle, yeah, yeah. you know, people on standing on each side of a road. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I want in this campaign. Start it yeah. up again if it's not yeah, so no, that <laughs> You know, if you ever wanted to play the fourth edition Adventure Time rules, you can find a link to them on Tribality. Hey. So there you go. Yeah, so from there, we, I went and ran a, uh, we were running a fourth edition uh, Mentor Vale campaign, and then we went right into the Pirate campaign. So that kind of brings us into, you know, what we're doing now, the fifth edition. Full circle as far yeah. as what we're going to talk about today, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about have, Pirate campaigns. Yeah, we, have, yeah. we run, fifth, we run the, using Dungeon Dragons fifth edition rules. Um, not a lot of support, not quite like Pathfinder for pirates. Right. So it's you know a lot of uh, creating your own stuff. Yep. But uh, you know there's there's tons of uh, material out there to get inspiration. So Sean, why in the world would you want to play a pirate campaign in the first place? What is so special about a pirate adventure? Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out what the heck is a pirate adventure. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, is it hackers like you know hanging out and you know looking at pirate things like with yep. Angelina Jolie or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> You know, in the future, no, I don't. That's not the one we want. No, and, no, no. You know, it's not. not. It's not the Captain Phillips. Like I'm no. the captain now. <laughs> Although so, that is a great movie. Yeah, Tom Hanks for the win. Yeah. <laughs> did he get the win? I don't know. The other guy did. The, I'm the Captain <laughs> Now guy. Got the win. <laughs> the he got the win at the end. He, Tom Hanks, always gets the win. <laughs> There's that kind. But no, what we're talking about is the golden age of piracy. So yeah. you know, what makes a pirate adventure special is that it takes place in a time that was is very romanticized. You know, yep. historically maybe not the the best time for people living in. Yeah. <laughs> but especially uh, if you're yeah. on the other side of the pirate adventure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and even, you know, sometimes well, we'll get into that, but piracy began, I mean, they say it began like over 2000 years ago in Greek mm -hmm. times or, you know, the Phoenicians were said to be sailing around the Mediterranean. I'm going to guess that if somebody was sailing, somebody was stealing stuff from them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> It's kind of like piracy just kind of, not that we're, not that we're uh, saying piracy is a good thing, obviously, but piracy kind of just makes sense. Hey, I got a boat. Hey, I got weapons. Hey, I can steal from people. Like, of course it's just going to yeah, naturally yeah. happen. Well, I mean, like, no one ever calls carjacking car piracy. I mean, that's really what it is. It's like, <laughs> argh, give right. me your head keys. Like, that's yep. what they're doing. I'm commandeering this <laughs> vehicle. I got the vehicle. booty in the trunk. Like, <laughs> so, like, that's what they're doing, you know? Like, they got, they got a nice uh, trip from the mall in the in the trunk there, and maybe some building supplies from the Home Depot, whatever you want, right? So I'm not endorsing any type of uh, modern piracy. Yeah, but right. I do think it works out pretty well as, a, to, as something you can throw into a campaign. So... Yeah. You know, the modern depiction of uh, piracy, the way we look back is very romanticized, like everything. I mean, yeah. and, you know, they weren't the first pirates. I mean, everyone's like, oh, the pirates. Well, there was Vikings, too. And, like, you know, Vikings are pretty cool pirates, but we just call them Vikings. Because, I mean, you know, they came in and they raided the town and whatever. They did pretty yeah. much everything that we think of as a typical pirate, just they're not called pirates. And right. it's funny that you say it that way because that's absolutely the way that we look back on it today is that romantic like we make it like into that like romanticized view of piracy because i've i've literally heard people say today like yeah pirates aren't cool today <laughs> like but they were cool back then and it's like no they weren't no they just make really <laughs> like, good vikings were not cool back then but you know now even in media though all those vikings pirates they're all made into such a we have movies and tv shows and games glorifying them and i think we're we're at the point where that's what we're going to be doing anyway in this episode. So, yeah. but it is cool in an adventure sense. But yeah, it's it's funny how we we glorify them and uh, make them into a romanticized uh, kind of story. 
Well, the problem with piracy, the golden age of piracy, is that some of them were romanticized at the time because, yeah. you know, Europe was expanding. It was an exciting time. You know, that was the frontier, and that's the stories that were coming back, just like the Wild West was a frontier. These stories are coming back from the, you know, more of a frontier-type area. And, you know, it's really kind of like an annoying way of doing war. Like, a lot of times, pirates were, like, government agents. They were called privateers, mm -hmm. and they could even get knighted for it. Like, you have <laughs> Sir Francis Drake... He was like friends with the queen or whatever, you know, like, so, you know, like that you got to be careful of painting them all just as, as vile criminals because, you know, some of them started just because they were hungry or they didn't like their captain or, you know, they went and were getting beaten down by their merchant ship. You're like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, we're shipping like uh, molasses across the sea. It's like the worst job ever. Well, you can't just quit. Right. So the pirates would come along and be like, Yar, we be stealing your molasses and like, okay, cool. Like, you got a job, and they're like, yeah, come on over. The pay's way better. So like, they would go and be a pirate, and they would actually get a better share of like the you know the, the penny or whatever they were getting for uh, you know a day with the the greedy merchant ship who paid yeah. who he got he got his his share there. There you go. So they kill they kill the boss and keep all the other guys as pirates. So yeah, that that was definitely one of the reasons why it's confusing because. You know, some of them were just vile, horrible criminals and should have been hung. They were terrible people, right? But some right. of them were just like people with a job <laughs> or even or even like, you know, friends of royalty. Because, you know, if you're a privateer for England, you're awesome in England and you're hated in Spain. So that's that's kind of the history of it. So, when, you know, when you bring it into your campaign, the political intrigue of like 18th century Europe or, you know, 17th century Europe, maybe not the best uh, thing, you know, especially if your players don't understand that level of history. Yeah. So what we usually do is we look at the themes of, of what makes things pirates, uh, piratey, like, you know, just like Pirates of the Caribbean. They have the British and they, oh, they have Spanish stuff going on or whatever, but it's yep, just a yep. backdrop for like, you know, skeletons and Johnny Depp's, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> skeletons and Johnny Depp gets his own character or his own <laughs> <Exactly>. category. Yeah. <laughs> and his own Lego piece too. Yeah, <laughs> right. And his own movie actually later on. He gets the fourth one all to himself. So. Jeffrey Rusher's in it too. Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> he's he's worth a mention. <laughs> so, that movie's the... not worth a mention, but <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't try to figure out what's going on. I just watch, like I remember just watching the end of the second Pirates of the Caribbean and being like, or maybe it was the third one. It's just like somebody's walking down the deck and there's like cannons just going from two ships on each side, and I'm just watching the visual feast, being like, I have no idea what's going on. But this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, that I'm was... a huge fan of the second and third one. I like. I'm one of the weirdos who likes them more than the first one. Oh, I like them. But like, I know a lot of people don't like them, and I think it's because of what you just mentioned. Because there's so much going on, I love it. Because there's so much going on, there's all these interweaving stuff. The fourth one is the one that I think. Well, is the third awful. one was where like Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley got married while they're going around in a whirlpool, yep. and like <laughs> cannons are getting fired across the whirlpool. Right? <laughs> Yeah. There's just so much stuff going on. So it's like, much stuff. It's like we don't know if we're gonna live. We might as well get married. And the, and they like stop and turn and like stab somebody and then come back to the ceremony. It's like what? Like what is going on? But, but I totally believe that happens in real piracy. You know, that's. I mean, it's they gotta base it off of something. Yeah. And... yeah but, but yeah, like, but nobody wants you know a pirate movie to be boring and procedural. Right. Like, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's that's the idea here. So. You know, if there's one thing about pirates that, that you know, that you need to know about, it's like, well, what's the cause of piracy? Well, you know, if you're going to be building a campaign around piracy, you can't be like, ah, oh, there's pirates. You have to have a cause. So right. valuable cargo is a cause. If you have valuable cargo, pirates are going to want to go and steal it. Not yep. saying necessarily they're going to do it, but if you, you could, that, that, there is a reason for pirates. Or you have a bunch of unemployed and angry sailors or, you know, 
people who are being treated by some kind of empire, those guys could be tempted into piracy, right? Yeah. You know, maybe they become pirates or maybe they get their easy um, victims of it of a draw. Like it's like, you know, it's not a cult or something, but you know, yeah. it's maybe not the best career choice. Yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> there's reasons why there's whole cities that are dedicated to pirates, you know, that, that, the whole civilization of that area is all about coming and selling stolen goods. And, you know, it's it's not just they're just out there. And then it's like, okay, we got to sneak into a city and hope that we can sell the stolen goods and not get caught. It's like, no, there's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty lucrative business for them if they yep. want it to be. There's places where they can go and have safety and solitude and sell all of their stuff without fear of being hanged and stuff. Yeah, and like the gold rush or anything on the frontier, you know, people out there, they're a little bit rougher. They're not a tax attorney, right? Right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that job. But I mean, if you're a tax attorney, you don't need to be a pirate. Like you've got a pretty good gig. So, you know, you're out on you're out on the frontier there and you're looking for opportunities. And, you know, this is one you get a quick hit and you retire and you're done. And hopefully nobody gets hurt in the process. Uh, one more reason for piracy is that you say you had two large kingdoms and they were at war and then they can't fight anymore. This is kind of what happens in my home world, right? Um, it's called Vodari. So what happens in that one is these two empires, they've been fighting for so long and they're fighting barbarians before that, they're done. But they hate each other. So they go and just stack pri privateers against each other, right? Which is yeah. what you see in uh, Skull and Shackles and Pathfinder as well. They have right. privateers. So that's, that, those are three reasons that you could go and throw piracy as a factor into your world. And it doesn't need to be a dominant thing. It could just be something that's kind of going on. And, oh, you know, between these two nations and this little sea here on the map, yeah, there's pirates, and this is why. Yeah. Or it could be something where it's like there's that going on. It's like, oh, we have to sail through that area now. Perfect. And instead of it just being like a random like, oh, look, there's pirates, it's because it's called Pirate Island. Like, yeah, you right. could actually have, you know, there's nothing wrong with sense. having Pirate Island. It makes a lot of sense. In the D&D-type world setting, there should be pirates somewhere, and they should be a problem somewhere. And, yeah, and that should be something that people worry about and know about and try to protect themselves from as well, which opens the door into you having a pirate campaign like we're talking about today. Or, or so, just put pirates in every single campaign where there's water. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every single night you play in it too. Yep. <laughs> so Sean, when we talk about pirates and when we talk about pirate campaigns, there's some pretty specific characteristics that are pretty common when you think of a pirate. So what are some of those that, that we should or even campaign, implement? Yeah, yeah or even piracy. a campaign. Uh, what are some of those that we should incorporate and make sure that we use within our campaigns that we do piracy with? Well, unlike a lot of things from history where you have to add color to make them more exciting, you know, whether it's a medieval soldier, you know, like far less glorious than whatever we make it out to be with their 40 pounds of weapons in Dungeon Dragons. A pirate's pretty good to go. Like Blackbeard, <laughs> there's stories that he would light his beard on fire before he went and boarded a ship. That'd be terrifying, you know? And I mean, like you had women disguised as men, you know, being famous pirates. Like the, the stories of real life are better than anything you could come up with almost. So, so one source of getting some ideas of making colorful characters is the historical record. And there are people who run a piracy campaign using the Caribbean as a setting. They're like, you know what? The year is 1685, um, England's doing this to Spain. Go, right. you know, build your character. And, you know, what are your choices? Um, human or human? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or parrot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or parrot. <laughs> All right. Well, there is there is another, there's some crazy stuff out there. I was going to leave this till later, but there's something called furry pirates, which has everything I just said. The England, the Spain, the Portugal, the whatever else, right? Yeah. The France, <laughs> the piracy, the privateers, except they're furries. <laughs> what? It's furry pirates. 
And it's a pretty good rule set. Not, nothing I, I'm interested in playing, but it was fascinating that this complex rule set takes everything from the his, history, but throws like rabbit people with like like mice, mice people, mouse people, fox people. <laughs> wait, wait. So, but is this like is this like beast folk? Like, like, or is this like people inside of costumes? No, 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 no. Okay. It's, it's it's meant to be that they're they're they're. I don't, actual... they, I don't know if there's a LARP for it. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, oh, this is yes. just the rules. It's called Furry Pirates. Oh, my God. Right. Well, and, I know what we're, we're doing next to, weekend. Prepare to be boarded. <laughs> Chewing on our foods. <laughs> on, our <laughs> on our foods. <laughs> so, so you have your swashbuckling pirates swinging from the, the, main, the mast and everything, except they're, like, a rabbit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, well, we just changed the topic of the episode. Yeah, we're talking about pirate, pirate We're talking about furry now. pirates yeah, now. Right? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yeah, so if you were also looking for inspiration, I mean, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Skull and Shackles is a great place to borrow, quote unquote, stuff for your pirate campaign, whether you want to just run Skull and Shackles and Pathfinder or convert it to something else, uh, or whether you want to, you know, just use those kind of colorful characters and bring them into your own. There's a lot of source material there. And, you know, a pirate campaign, you could go all human or whatever, or you can go and say, well, how would I go and bring in elves? How would I bring in dwarves? Yeah. How would I go and bring in some guy who looks like a crow, which right. Pathfinder has, right? <laughs> what do they call Kenkus or Keng? Yeah, Kenkus, I think. Yeah, like they're cool, but I mean, like you know, it's like, cool. why is there a crow guy in Pirate World? I mean, even <laughs> like you know, maybe Pirates of the Caribbean Five will have that. I don't know. <laughs> they might. I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you can bring in whatever you want, and then obviously everybody knows what a pirate looks like. You know, they have yep. a pointed hat and you know whatever you want. Peg legs. Exactly. Patches, so hooks for hands. <laughs> so you know, you can go and do things during character creation and say well here's some backgrounds you might want to bring in outside of the normal books or here's a table everybody has to roll against and it's like an amputation ipad <laughs> yeah yeah no that's great uh i know that our buddy flawful jared would be all about that like adding flaws in to your characters and here's the thing if you have players that don't like flaws and you're like you know what my players don't like flaws i'm not gonna do that there's ways to turn those pirate attributes into not being flaws uh we played a pirate campaign one time and hashtag magic mark uh, was a rat folk and he had his hand chopped off i don't remember how i think it was by the priest of his god chopped his hand off for making a bad offering to their god so he wanted to have that like pirate amputee part so we he didn't have a hand to do like two weapon fighting or anything but we gave him a little wrist crossbow for hit that hand, and it was like this cool little pirate aspect for him. And I know in that campaign we had a couple people who had peg legs, and that made them their speed a little bit less, their balance <laughs> a little bit less. We had some people with eye patches, and and pirates all have nasty teeth, right? Too, so <laughs> they had charisma modifiers that were lower. And uh, but yeah, all those aspects. And I like that idea that you were saying you could almost have like a a d20 and you roll it. And having a chart where whatever you roll, that's the body part you lost or whatever it is that your pirate has gone through that uh, <laughs> I just imagine like if you roll a crit one, you you lose <laughs> you you have two hook arms, two peg legs, and two <laughs> eye patches. <laughs> you get the works. It's like when you get you get the works. That's the off menu works. You can't even, yeah. you and you're, can't even and get you're that missing your ears. <laughs> anything that protrudes is gone. Yeah. There you go. Gosh. Yeah. So you know that's that's one thing you can go and do. And then the other thing you can go and do to make things more piratey is that you can go and you know take away, which a lot of players don't like, take away uh, player classes or mm -hmm. take away our player races, you know, because you're like, you know what, this is a world where, you know, being this class doesn't really work as well. Like, we don't yeah. want paladins out on the ocean. I, personally, I have them. I think they're fine. 
because you know you can treat them like they're almost like Darth Vader's and stormtroopers or something. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there is yeah. there is after all an SRD pirate class too that you can go and look. At. And I don't know. I'm sure there is for Pathfinder since Pathfinder, from what you've said, is has got quite a bit of pirate settings and material out there. So. Yeah, they, they, have more, they have Corsairs, they have all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, exactly. Like, who wants to play a whole campaign where every single person is the class of a pirate? Like, you can be a pirate and be a different class and still be a pirate. It's all about the story. Well, and, and in 5th edition, you can take something as simple, in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, you can take something as simple as the fighter. And because they're so customizable, yeah, exactly, you, know, yeah. you can make like, oh, this guy's going to be like a deck brawler. So this yep. is somebody who just, you know, hits people with a club. And this guy here, he's like a swashbuckling, like, mm-hmm. fencer. You know, he's a dex fighter. He's a dexterity-based fighter with a pointy sword, whatever they're called. Yeah, <laughs> uh, rapiers. A pointy sword, yeah. yeah whatever. I, I think yeah. that is the, the term, pointy sword. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those trench words. I don't know. Stick I them never with the pointy that. end. Dude, you're, you're, you live in Canada. You should know, know those trench words. I, I, that's why I'm embarrassed. <laughs> that's well, the funny not... thing about, about running a, a pirate campaign is that there's all these words because, you know, a lot of the things you haven't come, uh, you know, had in a campaign before and you got to figure out how to say them all, right? Yeah. Right. So, well, you're you're not from Quebec though. Quebec no, is no, more I'm French from... than what Ontario is, correct? Yeah. No, I'm pretty much like you guys. You know, on the other side, we're all Great Lakers, right? Yeah. So, there you go. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, there's you know, there's crazy words like, what do you have? Uh, correct me on all of them. I'm gonna get every one of them wrong. That's why players always make fun of me. I whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> go ahead. It has to be done in a pirate accent, Sean. Oh, no, it's even better with it. Here we go, Sean. Give us your, your best pirate accent with the words. Yeah, there be on the on the bow, there be Kawatoa and... Kawatoa. I can never say that Oh, that's perfect. All right. We'll try to be quiet as you go down that list. No, the rest are like, you know... Yeah, there'll be a Kraken coming up the boat. That's perfect. Yeah, there's lots of great monsters out there. So just like the, the yeah. player options can be really fun. You, there's, there's The monsters are just fantastic, right? Because, I mean, uh, a dragon becomes a sea dragon. A, a, yeah. a giant turtle becomes a sea turtle. Uh, Tarrasque, or whatever they're called, they become like a, uh, something that's an undersea yeah, city. aquatic Tarrasque, whatever it is, yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it. You can have uh, You can have things that you've already fought before, but give them that aquatic twist to them like oh we're we're sailing in the open seas no need to worry about orcs anymore well then those aquatic orcs start climbing on top of your ship and you're like oh, never mind <laughs> never mind uh but there's all these other exotic creatures that you can get into as well and uh introduce we talked about this when richard howard came on to the aquatic campaigns but you enter into this area that a lot of players even if they've been playing for 20 something years haven't fought a lot of the aquatic creatures and it opens up the doors to introducing creatures and monsters that uh, your players aren't going to sit there and go i know exactly what the stats are i know exactly what hurts them i know this i know that <laughs> like i know their attacks like it it can be a moment of true fear of i don't know what the heck this thing is going to do to us <laughs> so right when you when you go and make an umber hulk out of like crab shell underwater yeah that's Ooh, that's, that's a good one that's a good one you should home, you should put that on tribality <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like so some i don't know if you want to call them like pirate tropes for like our in in our in tabletop but i mean you're going to see you're going to want to have a kraken it's just mm-hmm. going to take a while before they get there that's like a campaign yes. ender you're going to want ghost ships those are awesome i ran a elven ghost ship so Listen to this. It's this elven boat. So it looks like like you go to like to the uh, theme park where you got like yep. those little swan boats going around for the yep. kitties. <laughs> yep, Except exactly. it's like you know 
over a hundred feet long and it's like this big white swan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> that's what a, like that's what an elf boat would look like. Yeah. Except I mean, you if you look it, at uh, yeah. I like you're bringing to mind like I knew exactly where you're going that because I just I thought of artists who have done renditions of like Tolkien's literature and that's exactly what they look like. Big, long, white swan boats with big, poofy white sails, and uh, that's exactly what they look like. And if you're a fight, if you're in a pirate campaign, you're going to see that boat, and you're going to go, ah, oh, this is easy for the taking, and then you jump on board, and there's all these elves with that shoot that have rapid shot and many shot, and they're taking you down. So it's or, a or even worse, what I went and did was uh, at, uh, they were a merchant uh, ship, and the husband was having some marital problems because um, they traded some statues with a sea elf, uh, with a community sea elf. So their community had sunk, you know, a thousand years ago, and they were finding out that, you know, some long lost statues from the elves were found. And like, you know, they're, they're trying to do a negotiation because the sea elves have their own problems and they need their old elven allies to help them out with their Tehuigan mm-hmm. raiders. So what they go and do is they're like, okay, well, they send a ship and they come back. Well, the only problem is that the, the elf uh, lady, she falls in love with a statue. She gets the dwarf sickness, but the elf flavor of it. So she just sits the whole time in the lower part of the hull, like, you know, down in the hold there, like with the statues all day long. And her husband's like, he's writing in his journal and I'm, the players are kind of flipping through the journal, right? But the problem is they, one of the entries is like, oh, we were, we, you know, repelled borders. Well, they didn't, yeah. they weren't so lucky the second time and they're all dead. Well, the problem is she turns into a siren and she goes and raises half the raiders, which are Sahuigan. So you got Sahuigan undead right <laughs> next, next to like a bunch of elf undead with like their plus one swords. And it's, you know, it's, it's a nasty thing. And you're going through like a whore campaign because it's a dark ship. And every corner you have, you have something that, you know, without a heartbeat is being animated by this siren. And then my poor players are about an hour in and it's late at night. And I just press the button on roll 20 and the siren scream. I got a, the audio from it somewhere. Oh, All of a sudden nice. you just hear this wail. And it's like, I remember when I was setting up the campaign on my own, I was scared and they, they didn't like that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, except oh, yeah. for the guy who's from the Philippines, right? He's in the next day already. So he's yeah, just... he was okay because it was nice and bright and, and early for him. So he, he wasn't quite scared. That's great. That's great. But yeah, the players the players weren't happy with that. I mean, they, if they didn't know what she was, if they thought she was a ghost, they pretty quickly found out that she was going to be uh, doing some attacks with the uh, that were going to be uh, not so good on the ears. So yeah, that, that's one thing you can do. So something as simple as like, well, how do I bring in elves, or how do I bring in some of those great ideas like Rich had? Well. You can have player options. Like in, in my campaign, we have sea dwarves and sea elves, and we have minotaurs because I like dragon lands. So right. minotaurs belong on the ocean, right? Why not? You know, that's one thing you can go and do is you can kind of bring in some races that people aren't really used to or some classes that people don't yeah. really have. And then the other thing you can go and do is recast the way you see the, the, the common races. In my world, the hill dwarves lost their whole kingdom. So the, the land sank, and their halflings, Hill dwarves and humans, they're like farmers and merchants and stuff. They don't have a kingdom anymore. They floated in some boats, and then they, you know, the, the, the parts that stuck up in Waterworld, they went and settled on. The dwarves were just fine in the mountain, the mountain dwarves. They're still sitting there. Their minds got a little wet for a bit. That's about <laughs> it. So they have, like, libraries. They didn't lose their history. They didn't have, like, a 300-year of, like, a world that looked like something out of, like, Kevin Costner's The Postman. Yep. It was, you know, they, they just kept going as is, and they closed their gates and said, forget about you guys, which is kind of like what happens in Dragonlands when they have their cataclysm in them, which is, you know, they draw a lot of inspiration from in my world. So the elves are in shambles too, but again, they kind of uh, reclaim themselves, but, you know, they're not, lo- they're long lived. They, they can't repopulate. So, you know, the elves are fading because, you know, they don't have like 500 kids a, a year or whatever, like these small communities of halflings and humans had and barbarians. So you end up with a world that doesn't look anything like 
the world that was before just by adding water. Well, yeah, they're still wood elves, but they're like on a little island. That's all that they, that's where they live. They're, it's like visiting an island of, it's like a fey island. That's all there is. Or you can go and be like, well, where are my dwarves doing? Well, the dwarves are now pirates or I don't know. Or, you know, we're going to go and introduce were sharks because yeah. they're awesome. Those are like all really great ideas that you could do for a world and its history and stuff. But even if you have already a world set up in which that was not the case and you want to do a pirate campaign, you can easily add in dwarves and elves and uh, whatever race it is into a pirate campaign. I think you can, the beauty with pirates is that you can go either way. You can make a pirate ship full of humans that are super, super racist and they're going to attack a an elf ship right off the bat because they hate elves, they hate anybody that's not human. Uh, they're, of course, going to attack a human ship as well because they want the gold or whatever is they're carrying. But then you could go the other route, and there could be this really accepting view of being a pirate, just like, oh, you're going to come join us and attack these other ships and get gold with us? Come on in. So you can have this crew that is a, there's humans, there's minotaurs, there's goblins there's dwarves elves they're all led by a beholder without his one eye in the middle like you can have this really colorful so pretty much a crew. worthless beholder uh, <laughs> i think I have a pirate, a, I have a pirate a, a, actual an eye thing patch, I just, uh, beholder is great like all yeah, those little the thing i just described is actually he's a captain in my world <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah like you can have the beautiful thing about the pirates is that there could be this i don't care what race you are that doesn't matter to me. We're all outcasts because we're pirates. Let's go and let's just pirate some ships and pirate and uh, raid some villages and whatever it is. I don't care that the fact that you're a minotaur is helping me right now. It's not hindering yeah. me. So. I say next time we do a pirate campaign, I call being a street shark. <laughs> a street shark. Yep. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a callback. <laughs> in in my world, a lot of tieflings, half elves, half yeah. orcs are you know, and they gravitate, and the minotaurs too. Um, they gravitate towards being pirates because, again, they they can't just you know walk up to the uh, the shop and go and ask for a job, right? So you know that, that that's that, where they that, find that, their that, acceptance, yeah. Yeah, they're that that fringe. Not saying that all of them are, but you know a lot of times, you know they 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 might fall in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the traditions, uh, you know, whether they're real or not, you know, you want to bring in stuff that feels like pirate flavor, like piratey. You want you want things that are you know, feel like, ah, not like, you know, open Absolutely. up a history book. A lot of times, one of the things that was uh, cool, which is actually from history, is that men, a lot of times, wore gold or silver earrings. And, you know, the OEC pirates, they got a bunch of earrings. And it's said that they did that because, um, you know, that would pay for their burial. Really? If their body washed ashore and nobody knew who they were. Huh. If they're I did not know that. So if they have this thing stuck in their ear, then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, if someone doesn't steal it, they're like, you know, they're trying to, you know, do the right thing by the god in the real world or in the in you know in the in the game world sure. they want to uh you know pay for the funeral and get them a you know a decent burial well cuz you see that in a lot of movies too but that's never explained as far as why they have those earrings in their ear and that's one of those things that's pretty common when you think of pirates that they have those uh those earrings in their ears so you can tie that into like you know that could be tied into well they believe in this pirate god or they have a sea goddess and everyone who believes in the sea goddess you know, wears these type of earrings or something like that. Mm -hmm. You can go and tie it into a belief in your world or whatever. And it's just, yeah. you know, a little bit extra color. And like I said, with pirates, open up any pirate book and you're going to get stuff that's better than anything. In the right. <laughs> well, because then, and that goes for the uh, eye patches as well, right? They they didn't, 
we always think of, oh, they wore the eye patches because they lost an eye or something. But in reality, pirates wore eye patches because they were going from down below uh, the ship where there was lights to up on the deck where it was like dark during the nighttime. And so that helped their eyes adjust quicker to that. And that's the reason why they typically wore eye patches. So that being said, you can add that into your game and have characters like all your pirates ha are carrying on eye patches, whether they lost an eye or not. To be able to help them with that for my campaign i made a player's guide and i added some items to it so you know i added some piratey type swords right and i added things like eye patches and hats and tattoos so a tattoo has a price of free to like i don't know 100 gold pieces because <laughs> it depends on the work free yeah, yeah. is somebody carving into your arm when yeah. you're joining a team to like you know you're drunk and you're in town and it costs you five copper pieces to something that's done by an artisan and then in the beautiful you know, by in, in the beautiful shining city, it could cost you know like you know tens of gold pieces. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like you, you did that, adding those kind of elements in, where like, oh, you have you know, oh, I have tattoos all over. It's like, well, how good are they? <laughs> yeah. Roll to see. Have a table. Roll to see what diseases you got from, yeah, like, you know? from getting those carved into your yeah, skin. Seriously. That's some blood poison. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, something as simple as like, oh, I have a tattoo. Well, tell me about your tattoo. Or you know, you can even if you want to be a jerk, you'd be like, well, you know, you can't buy candles. Be or a lantern because you have tattoos. Yeah, right. <laughs> Starting equipment. So I, I don't know, I wouldn't do that, but you know, depending on what you how you want to play it. So yeah, and there's you know, there's common things like they always have parrots or monkeys on their on their shoulders. Well, these yep. people are traveling around to tropical islands and they'll find these things as they as they go around and they travel, right? And you know, some of them they're just capturing them to sell them. And then sometimes when you're a farmer, you you know, you maybe use an apple off the tree. If you're collecting a bunch of parrots or whatever maybe you keep one for yourself right maybe you're training them and so next thing you know somebody who had a pirate a, a pirate steals it from them or maybe the pirate did it themselves you know pet monkeys you know you feed them you're kind of sitting around on the edge of the, there's this little monkey on the edge of the beach or whatever where you're staying and you kind of feed them a little bit more each time next thing you know he's on the boat with you yeah or so you, you just can... raise up a whole parrot army and just make them <laughs> yeah. do all of your killing before Attack! you board the ship <laughs> right. so they're I mean, dropping you know, like pirate bombs on the ships <laughs> And, you know, like, sick. giving, like, this kind of, like, oh, I need familiar rules, I need this, like, come on, really, like, a monkey, what's it going to be able to do, one hit point damage? Yeah. Like, throw poop. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's that, that, that's definitely worth throwing in there as, an, as a regular and, attack. And the nice thing about playing in a D&D &D fantasy world is that sky's the limit with either your characters or, like, NPCs. Like, you can come across a pirate who has a cockatrice instead of, like, a parrot. You don't want to mess with that pirate captain because his cockatrice... Could be commanded to try and turn you into stone. Yeah, bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is a great idea. Maybe that, even that he like this pirate captain has a statue. Like you think it's a statue at first of like this like dude, this other pirate guy just on his ship as a reminder to the rest of his crew. Like don't mess with me. <laughs> like mutiny, not a good option. I got a cockatrice. Yeah, right. <laughs> or or three or four cockatrices. We we also mentioned uh, we mentioned Siren before in, in the in the Elven ship. So Sirens are really cool because they you know mm -hmm. when they're when they're not in the bottom of a ship they're fun because you know there's the one way you can do it where I think D and D does it this way where it's an elf who haunts the place where they were because they were vain and greedy and they died right they mostly vain. The other thing you can do is that they're just like this monster on a collection of rocks and they're trying to go and get the ship to steer into the rocks so they can eat them. So you can go and play them in a monster or you know you can go and do like that nice elaborate backstory like with the elf who's you know looking in the mirror all the time so you can go and play that two ways and i mean there's all there's so much variety in any of these i mean mermaids can be anything mermaids can be 
like you know animal like or they can be you know people who are walking around who turn into mermaids when they're in water so you can even make them a player race right so you can go and make mermaids however you want they can be mystical coven of sea hags who people think look attractive because of illusion and you know you're like oh like yeah mermaids and they're like they're nope that's not the ones you want nope (laughs) absolutely they're 900 year old witches not good (laughs) the way it works is because your because your players haven't seen half of these things before even if it's just something you reflavor they're, they're, they can be truly terrifying because they don't know yes. what they're getting. And there's always the element of drowning. I mean, you know, and it, the other thing is if you're in a pirate campaign, just like anything, you're like, oh, we're doing a pirate campaign because, you know what, walking across the grasslands and fighting the king, we're done with that. Let's just go on a journey and, and have two encounters on the way between two kingdoms. So then you got a little mini pirate campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in the middle of a pirate campaign, you might get bored. Well, the nice thing is, is that something that people don't do a lot of is jungle campaigns. So you can go and do a quick little... Oh, well, you know, we have to go and get our mass broke and we got to go and go onto the beach and fix it. Meanwhile, you know, you can do whatever you want on, in the jungle, right? Where exactly. Be, from killer mosquitoes to crazy people with a temple, all the rest of it, right? You can yeah, have, those yeah. tropical islands open up. You got jungle yeah. campaigns like you just mentioned. Maybe there's a treasure they're looking for on that tropical island that's in a temple and there's your dungeon right there, your dungeon crawl that you can do. It's... I think, honestly, a pirate campaign shouldn't be boring because you have all of those options open to you. Yeah, anytime yeah. you explore an indigenous population in a jungle, there's going to be things that your players have never yeah. seen before, and you can have a ton of creative fun as a DM. And it gets it gets uh, boring even going to jungles and stuff and have some word come to your pirates of a treasure that's far to the north. And you're then you're taking your pirate ship into frozen tundra territory because you're like, there's this crazy treasure up there and we're going after it right or or like an island that's a desert whatever you want to do um zelda the wind waker people like it people don't i mean i think Mm -hmm. that it's a great art style and you know it's it's a it's a thing where like instead of walking across the land and having a horse we're going to put him in a boat and he's going to go from island to island each island is going to be a dungeon so you know you could do a campaign that's just like that where you know you're you're chasing around treasure maps you know instead of your patron being you know the mayor of the town. Well, now you got like a case of treasure maps you found and you got to go around the world and find all the treasures, whatever you want, right? Meanwhile, pirates are trying to stop you and krakens and this kingdom's evil knights, whatever you want, you, know, you go crazy. So that's something, one of the themes that pirates are always drunk. And there's a, <laughs> there's a historical reason for that. There's something called grog and, there's, yep. and then there's rum. Now rum is synonymous with pirates because it's made from sugar cane and generally that kind of uh, molasses, whatever you want to make it from, right? And it's made from, which is kind of the same thing, right? I mean, it's just ones refined. Right. But you are in a tropical area, so you're going to have rum. You're not going to have, like, mead, because where's the bees, right? Like, it's yeah. you could have bees, but, you know, you're going to have beer, which is wheat, or are you going to have, or rye, or are you going to be more likely to have rum? So there's a reason right. why you see rum. Well, what's grog? Grog is watered-down rum. Just like uh, in Roman times, they watered down wine. The pirates would water down rum or they would put rum into water to drink it because uh you know when water's sitting in a barrel on a ship for a couple months it's going to go bad so it really they're drunk continuously like 10 percent drunk every time they drink right like you know so it's and you know this is this isn't like the kind of rum we get now like it's that crazy navy sailor rum so yeah. even when you put it in the water it's still pretty potent yeah stuff. even when you dilute it it's i still... did not know that that's uh that's really interesting <laughs> so i'm butchering half the history here because i'm like you know trying to think of a bunch of things at once but yeah like the idea is that you could go and be like your payment on the ship is one gold piece and your share of grog 
And it was like, oh, grog. Yeah. <laughs> or, or be like, there'll be no grog. It's pure rum tonight, boys. <laughs> so the pirate you know, frat house goes insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing you can go and do is if you want to go and, like, your players, maybe they've never been on a ship before, or maybe they don't know the terms, you can go and start throwing around, like, the terms, right? Like, oh, everybody up on the poop deck or get on the quarter deck or, you know, off the bow, the stern, the mast, like, all these things, the crow's nest. You know, it, it sounds exotic to people who haven't, been in that world and they got to be technical here because now they're like oh i'm on a grid fight here and i want to climb up the the mast but there's three sails which one am i going on and can i shoot through these sails so it adds a tactical element as well and you're using this language so it can be for for players who've been playing for a long time it can be challenging again instead of like okay so i go into the corner of the eight by eight room and i shoot my crossbow and then i hide <laughs> yeah right because <laughs> you know that guy's never getting hit that campaign so yeah you can go and add a new element to to things when you're fighting on boats which is which is pretty cool and then obviously when you're fighting on ships there's the whole idea of uh what level of technology do you have right well pirates need cannons but maybe you can't have gunpowder in your world so you're gonna have to settle which you know what if you're putting like a big pot of fire throwing from one ship to another or like a 10-foot arrow this being shot from like a basically a a crossbow that's sitting on the deck yeah the those are still the, uh, pretty good right yeah exactly the ballistas yeah. the ballistas yeah. trebuchets whatever yeah. right they're, they're they're all they're somewhat exotic right because they're siege weapons right and you know now the now your players instead of sitting there being waiting for the captain to steer the wheel they can be firing off this giant like 4d 10 weapon continuously right or even more like 8d6 <laughs> whatever you want it to be right yeah well with, then you got to deal with with those too how do you handle if a ship gets punctured in a spot that it's going to start sinking now Oh, and, yeah, and you can go you can go as tactical as you want, as as simulation as you want, or right. you can go narrative. So one of the things that's really fun about fourth edition, some people like it, some people don't, is the idea of they put rules to a skill challenge. Well, just throw that out, whatever. But what you can go and do is you can go and say, well, if I'm you're you're steering the boat, so you do a skill check. Okay, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a caster, so I'm sending some war magic over at the sails. Okay, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm firing the cannon. Okay, well, go and roll your attack roll and do this. What are you doing? I'm the medic, so I'm going in. Okay, so every time you roll past a DC 12, you when you get your difficulty check at 12, one of the crew gets back up again. Or you mend, or you know, you're a druid, you're mending the the sails or the deck. So you can go and get people like you, you know, unique roles, or you can even give them officer positions, right? Like you're on the boat now. It's like Star Trek. You're you're Bones. Who are you? Okay, you're engineering. Right. Why, why are you engineering? Well, because you know you're engineering because you have this skill. And, you know, they, they, you're rolling against that. And you give everyone something they're good at, even though they never thought they'd be good at. Well, I'm a cleric. You're a ship's captain now. You're a ship doc, you know. So they have a whole new role and a whole new way of playing their class. Weather is like a, a, is a terrible enemy. You know, you can go and give the, oh, we need to do a constitution save because we're walking through a blizzard on the way to the mountain for the dungeon. That can be fun. That can also be done to death. But, you know, when you have a storm coming up that can go and, one, conceal a horrible monster, two, drown you, Three, rip your ship apart or be used as a DM as a plot device to go and fly you along to wherever you had because you couldn't decide whether you wanted to go east or west. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's, it can be something that both terrifies players and helps uh, dungeon masters, right? Yeah. So think of, think of the weather's I mean, you're, You have a crazy, windy, rainy storm and you're on solid ground and it's like you, you're going to have negatives and things that make it difficult. But now place yourself in the middle, middle of the ocean on a boat that means you're not on solid ground 
it's rocking back and forth and what does that add to a battle <laughs> like <laughs> i mean water comes splashing over and maybe you have some of your players who are below deck and what does that add to the battle <laughs> like it starts to fill up and you could you could drown on the ship because of a, a huge storm or your ship could flip <laughs> because of a huge storm Oh, and then if you have aquatic characters, I mean, that can be a big advantage because the aquatic yeah. characters have this whole role now where they're, you know, trying to save or they need to go below deck and fight the aquatic guys who are coming yep, in through the They're the, the ones sent below deck because it's like, hey, you can breathe water. <laughs> right, right, because like, you know, the, the under, because you're underwater monsters put a hole in your in your deck, right? Yeah. In, in, sorry, like, you know, in the, in, in the bottom of the ship there, right? Whatever it's called. Oh, the, something real. I always forget the names right now. <laughs> yeah. right. There's a name for when they go in. It's a punishment. You go in drag somebody underneath it, tow, they'll something tow you, the way they would kill people on, on ships, which is basically they would drag you underneath the bottom of the ship hmm. one time. Huh. Obviously walking the plank, moving right. along with ways to yep. kill people. Um, you know, so that's a punishment. You know, your players all get captured or they do something um, against the captain, walk the plank, boom, now they're stranded on a desert island, whatever you want to do to annoy your PCs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely there, there's that. And then we talked about the technology of using gunpowder. Well, if you have gunpowder, you get cannons, the other thing is if you have gunpowder, you have pistols, yep. and you can also have rifles. So you need to be careful when you introduce those that you're not you know, ruining life for your ranger, or you're not making it so your spellcasters all of a sudden aren't, are useless because everybody's got a 1d10 uh, magic missile in their hand, right? Yeah. So when you bring these things in, you, know, you need to make sure you balance them. While there's not a lot of support in the fifth edition of Dungeon Dragons for a you know, a ton of stuff. The uh, Dungeon Master's Guide actually has rules for uh, being able to do firearms. So that's pretty Yeah, cool. I mean, whether it's you just make the reload time, like you have to reload that for a whole nother round or you have to reload it for two rounds or whatever it is to semi-balance it out. Right. You know, and so then talking about how to handle magic, you can just leave magic as is. Why does it exactly. have to change? Like, But if you if you want to like flavor it a certain way, well, you know, your player's like, well, I want to sound like this. So make yourself more elemental. Like, well, it's this attack. Well, just say there's water in it now. We've done that before, and there's... What's the difference? You're just... It's adding flavor, it's adding story, and you just can switch around the... Who it affects, like a water attack would then... You could have a water ball instead of a fireball, and it could do really bad damage to, like, fire creatures and such, but... Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, when you go underwater and stuff, you know, Rich talked about a lot of those a few... Whatever, a few episodes or whatever it was ago. But the pirate campaign... You know, just as much as you can go on land, you can go underwater and you know, you can you can have some of those races and, and classes or whatever from underwater come into your world or even be players or NPCs. So, you know, you can be negotiating with a kingdom of sea elves or, you know, you need to go and get the key from the mermaids. Um, you know, you might want to go and get some magic items that allow for underwater breathing. And that can be fun, whether it's yep. a root that they eat, whether it's a the dwarves gave them a helm you put over top of your head that lets you breathe underwater whether it's some kind of medallion, whatever you want, right? You know, if it's something that can be consumed, that's fun, like the root, like a sea root or whatever you want to call it, that's good because it's a one-time use. You don't right. have to worry about this. Okay, great. Now we can go underwater every day. Okay, we split the party. He's swimming. <laughs> just so, for fun, you have that annoying person. Cannonball! Yeah. <laughs> just jumps off. I, I think one of the things about me being a dungeon master is that I'm so used to defending. A, I, I know how to fight somebody like that because that's all I was. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You know, I'm totally not that now. I mean, like we're talking about when I was like, you know, a little kid, right? So you're that as a DM, you have all control over everybody. You're just a jerk to everybody the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm too benevolent, if anything. You so, wake yeah. up and a rust monster ate all of your stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I don't do that. That's that's, <laughs> tough. Okay. It's, that's tough. But no, you know, there's a the time. druid's like, not me. Yeah, not me. <laughs> 
if you want to make a tough dungeon and you know the idea is to it's it's tough to survive, that's fun. If you're trying to go and have a narrative and a story, I mean, rust monsters or things in the ocean, they're going to kill you instantly. Like, okay, your level one PCs are sailing a kraken attacks, you died. That's not fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> but right. if the kraken attacks and rips your sail and you guys get swatted away and the ship that was about to just go and attack you sinks and you know after they that ship's shooting you full of holes. And they get pulled down by the Kraken. That's awesome, and you survive, right? Is it a bit of a cop out? Well, now we didn't have to fight like a level twenty-five monster. You know what? They probably they weren't sure whether they were or not. <laughs> you know, and then you don't let them have a couple of attacks, right? They can probably survive a couple while at yeah. level two or three. But... Do we still get the experience for running into it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Whatever. Here you go. <laughs> cool. We're level eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, when you see the thing, when you see like the lightning uh, on a storm, watch out because that could be a kraken. Well, yeah, and some other themes that you'll, you know, that you'll want to be kind of having in the world. Um, when you're like, oh, a pirate world. Okay, well, you know, how do I draw that into my overall campaign? Well, if you have yeah. a campaign where a big thing is about tyranny versus freedom, uh, freedom versus tyranny, or you have an oppressive colonial power or kingdom, or you have slavers. Or you have, uh, you know, um, you know, everybody's on a boat and the, and the captain is really bad. So you see a lot of mutiny. You see a lot of this kind of oppression. It's, it's something that's always part of pirates. And obviously, in the time and historical record, you know, that was when uh, a lot of slavery was going on. So there was, and a lot of people were being treated treated poorly by navy officers or their boss or landowners. So right. whether you were a slave or not, people were being treated poorly. So the hist history of the time was a lot about oppression and also, you know, that whole exploration age of discovery on the frontier so you have this whole wide open world but you're being crushed by a boot and then you know obviously there's the whole swashbuckling element of finding treasure and being like johnny depp or indiana jones in the boat whatever you want to be right so i think that a good pirate campaign kind of like what you were saying should have that especially if you start off at low level you should be a low level pirate and you've got this scary captain but possibly you work your way up to whether it's mutiny where you want to take over the ship or even uh, you prove yourself and as pirates you steal another ship and the pirate captain's like you proved yourself worthy you're going to be in charge of this ship you'll give me 10 percent of whatever you steal but you're the captain of this ship now and should have that progression in your status as a pirate you could even like you said you can even start off as a slave that has to whatever why whatever it is you fight with the pirates and you gain your freedom or whatever it is and yeah and make sure your players think about this in their backstory like oh i'm R, i'm a pirate well why are you a pirate well i'm a pirate because i'm an orphan well that's one option right the pirates kill mm -hmm. unlike a lot of times when i'm an orphan is kind of done to death in this case <laughs> i'm an orphan because those pirates that i'm pointing at killed my parents that's a lot more compelling and something yeah, done right. Years, right? That, that captain who is kind of like a father to you possibly you also know or you find out in the campaign he actually killed your real parents yeah so you know instead of it being like a done to death it's all of a sudden something new where like you know you're with you know you're with that person it's not some mm -hmm. random guy who you know killed your father and didn't pay you for a sword or something like that right which is awesome but that's princess <laughs> so yeah there you go so speaking of uh one of the things you need to be careful though is you need to go and make sure that your players and you are in an understanding of are you running an evil campaign or not you can go and be vile evil pirates what's your job is to go into pillage in the burn part you know and you can go into the town and you know you go and get drunk and you go and do all that and you can be chaotic and crazy and all the rest of it right and you right. can even be like, hey, we're pirates, be afraid of us. But you can actually be the pirates with a heart of gold. And you could have a good campaign where like, you're disguised as pirates, but you're really trying to take down the pirates. Or 
there's the evil pirates over here. We're the good pirates. We're the privateers. Or we're the pirates who are only steal from that kingdom, because they're which is basically pirate, privateers, right? All those uh, famous TV shows and movies that we were talking about like have that aspect of, like, there are good pirates that, you know, there's there's definitely good pirates that you see in Pirates of the Caribbean. I think of the Dwed Pirate Wabba. It's like, he's, <laughs> he's clearly a good guy. And, I mean, Treasure Island as well. You have good pirates, you got bad pirates, you have the mixture as well, so. Yeah, or you have uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> yes, right, there yeah. you go. Which yeah. is like, you know, like, are they that bad? Like, you know, it's not like they murdered the children, right? Like, you know. <laughs> They kind of got to, I don't know what they're trying to do. He's trying to kill a flying elf guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a campaign. You want to take like Neverland and turn it into like a Fae versus Pirate campaign. <laughs> There's uh well there's that movie coming out that I'm personally really excited about that just entitled Pan and it looks like Captain Hook and Peter Pan are like fighting alongside. It's like this beforehand story and I'm like I'm really interested to see it but that's apparently it looks like Captain Hook's going to be a good guy until the end, I'm sure. But Yeah, it looks really, really good for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it looks pretty awesome. You know, with some of the technology, so you have things like uh, you need to think about that would be used for navigation. So you have a sextant or you have a telescope or you have a periscope or a submarine, whatever, if you're doing steampunk. But, you know, these are the kind of technology that needs to be invented to be able to use it. Or people need to have skills, like they can look at the stars or they can look at the sun with this astral globe or whatever the heck it's called you know they, they can go and measure what time it is or what latitude or longitude it is and you need maps and charts you know your survival checks are, are you know they're significant here because if you get lost in the middle of the ocean it's a big place and you know obviously the weather is always fighting against you whether it's storms or, or if it's constantly or sunny and you have i mean you got to run the ship there's no way yeah. to get out of the sun too you know <laughs> no you're and you know you got to be worried about that so you know maybe you make medieval sunblock i don't know <laughs> otherwise you know you lose you know you lose a a constitution point or something for being too sunburned. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't but you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, the players, they've never been on a boat before. They get sunburned. They'll be like, what do you mean I got sunburned? They'll be mad at you. Be like, dude, you're in the sun for like 12 hours. You got sunburned. Tough luck. <laughs> you can warn them. You can go and be just like, you know, just want to remind everyone you've been in the sun for four hours. You've been in the sun for eight hours. <laughs> uh, no big deal. Until they wake up. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't it's, move. The DM's mentioning something that's not important. How many, where's the goal? <laughs> yeah, right. Is there aloe vera around? Yeah. So what is the other thing you want to go and think about is that when you go into the do, when you go into the town and stuff, you're bringing in this big boat full of stuff, and there's going to be people who are going to want to ask you for taxes or a tariff or something like that, and you're going to need to you can go and just kind of like hand wave that, or you can think about that because you know you got to deal with these dock guys when you come in, or you can be like Johnny Depp and sink your boat and walk onto the deck. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I, either one. Pay. So you can get you can get as complex as you want, and there's a lot of technology rules and like kind of mechanics and stuff if you're looking to a lot of the rules that are out there so some of the the stuff that's out there right now for rules uh pathfinder has skull and shackles which i've mentioned it's great it has a card game got a full adventure uh, is it adventure path or campaign i can't remember yeah but it, you know it's got a lot it's got like a five-part mission then it's got another book i have right here called plunder and peril that's a module pathfinder module and and that one's fun and like you know right on the cover it's got something that almost looks like a construct but he's a crab you know like it's just great because you know like oh like you know we're gonna have robots in this here in this world okay well but except they're crabs yeah, <laughs> yeah right they're all sea themed yeah exactly like you know they have plate like plate armor is like crab shells dungeon and dragons has some rules um there is something called pirates of the inner seas um there's a rule set called storm rack this is for a third edition and there's also sea of fallen stars and a lot of this is working really well if you're in fifth edition right now and you're playing in 
the Forgotten Realms has been done to death. I'm so sick of the Forgotten Realms. When are we going to get out of the realms? Well, they're not oh. letting you right now, which is fine. Some people really I like it. Forgotten but realms. but the, there is a place in the Forgotten Realms where pirates live. So you can go and be like, yeah. oh, by the way, we're going to do a pirate adventure. And shake. Isn't it uh, Luskar? Is that where it is? Um, is sorry, it's, it's in the middle. It's uh, Sea of Fallen Stars. I think there's also, I was thinking of the, the one city that later on in the Forgotten Realms world, I think it's called Luskar. And it's oh, like specifically yeah. a uh, yeah, they pirate have a port. hangout area. Yeah, there's a couple of places you can also, you know, if you're on the, a lot of people who play in the Forgotten Realms are on the uh, Sword Coast, which is kind of like the West Coast, right? Right. Where all the famous people live, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> where you know that's where all the campaigns and the dragons are apparently. So you could, there's a, like there's some um, there's some kind of islands out off the coast there, and you can go and have uh, you know a little adventure. I mean, even Driz the Drow went on a little sea adventure one time in the book, so. Or the comics are one of them. So, I mean, anybody can. Even a drow can go on a sea adventure. Might not enjoy it, but they can go on. <laughs> yeah, you got to worry about sunburn. And... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's also um, Fate has a rule set that recently came out called Seventh Sea. So that's very narrative, you know, not a lot of crunch, but very narrative-focused right. role-playing rule set. I've been reading a lot about Fate lately. It's interesting, but I still gravitate towards my D20. Yeah, um, and Furry Pirates by Atlas Games, which I mentioned before, um, not currently in print, I believe, but uh, you know you might be able to find it used somewhere. Find and then there's also there's a setting called Freeport, and they just make books, and they have this like city full of vile pirates and cults and everything, and like you know it's it's on the coast, so you can use that. They have a hundreds of pages long book just on you know you need a colorful sea town for pirates, so there's a lot of material for, in in there as well. You know, most of the most of my inspirations come from Stormrack, Skull and Shackles, Pirates of the Inner Seas. Yeah, they're really, really good sources. Hard to find now because obviously I've been collecting as much pirate stuff as I can, but it's hard to find. Some of them on you know on the uh, the PDF online PDF stores that you can find. But if you want the in print one, you might have to pay a little bit more because they're not in print anymore. No, I remember I was looking to try to get a hard copy of Stormrack. Not the easiest to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Some of the other stuff. Uh, well, I want to do a pirate campaign, but. We already did the Jolly Roger and all the rest of it, and the skull and mm-hmm. the crossbones and all the rest. Well, Vikings are pirates, as I mentioned. So you yep. could do a you want you want to do a barbarian Viking campaign or whatever. Do a 12th, 11th, 9th century flavored pirate campaign. Um, you want to do pirates in space? Awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty fun Dungeon and Dragon type movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. they got a party, they go through, they find some stuff, and one of them acts like an idiot and ruins it for everybody else, and then they <laughs> win at the end. There's pirates in that one, right? I mean, like. Half the guys on the in the in on the movie are pirates yeah. of some sort. And then obviously you can go and do sky pirates. So you take everything we just talked about, but you make them floating, or you make them in the clouds, and you pop everything up. So now your boats are floating around, and you can even have oars floating moving them around. But um, you know, the idea is you're sky pirates now. And you know, you can have a steam steampunk feel, you know, in a pirate campaign. You know, you can still have wear sharks though, because people love those. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So now they're like, now they're like flying. So, you know, like, I know you guys like street sharks. Now you have flying sharks, even worse. Flying street sharks. Didn't the sharks fly in the, what's that movie called? Sharknado? Well, they didn't fly. They were propelled around by tornadoes. And they seem to be flying a lot more than was physically possible. Yeah. Well, and you have the whole part where he takes a chainsaw and jumps into the mouth of this. Like, which if you're in Sky Pirates, you can do. Right. That could be an enemy is a tornado full of sharks. A sharknado. Right. Yeah, a sharknado. <laughs> so you that's your dream. That, that's that's your setting. That is the dream. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things that a lot of people like about some of the Dungeon Dragons books out there is they have like an inspiration book. They've kind of had it for as long as I remember. 
And, you know, they talk about all the different books that inspire them, Lord of the Rings, whatever, right? But, of course, they call them halflings, not hobbits. But right. if you were going to look for inspiration for a pirate campaign, I mean, you can look at the book from 1883 called Treasure Island. That's kind of the most famous. Or the movie that came out in 1950, if you want to go classic. Um, there's a great show. I think it's on Stars called Black Sails. They're in season two or just starting up. And that one's very much about um, the procedural operation of the way the crew operates. You know, you got the captain and the first mate and the quartermaster and all that stuff and how they deal with, you know, all the intrigue of, you know, dealing with uh, trading, like the stuff like, okay, great, we got a ship full of stuff. Now, how do we unload it? So yeah, it's really right. focused on that. And it, um, Princess Bride, um, there's some pirate elements in there. Just yep. a great movie if you haven't seen oh, yeah. it. Um, Peter Pan, which we mentioned. Great classic is The Goonies. Yeah, Treasure somebody Hunt. who does the truffle shuffle the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the Goonies is a great, uh, what is his name? Uh, something Mike. I can't remember what it is. One-Eyed Pete. One -eyed, the, Was it Mike's One-Eyed Willie? One-Eyed Willie. Something like have, that. Have somebody named Baby Ruth in there somewhere. Yeah. Baby Ruth? Yeah, right. Are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first NPC you run into. You're on the boat, and you just hear that behind you. Well, Perfect. that guy was totally. He went. And he went and he was looking at an old pirate movie in that, and then he went and put the dagger into the sail and, and slid down it. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. Just like the classic move, like you know, every rogue in a pirate campaign has to like swing on a rope. One of my PCs, he's a rogue, and he ran. He went and took a rope, and he swung from the front of the boat, the bow, to the stern. He went from deck to deck, and he avoided having to go down the steps and up the steps. And he was in there, like, in the same round and attacking. Because, you oh, know, he rolled a high deck. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, and, and give him inspiration or give him some kind of bonus. Like, you know, make it an easy DC because you want that to happen, right? What's yeah, the big I, deal? So he gets there, you know, two moves, uh, one move sooner. What's, what's the big deal, right? Have I another think, guy pop out of the water if you kill him too quick. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I think for, I know on Roll20 they have the jukebox feature. Where you can look up uh, sounds and stuff. You just play like the "Hey, you guys!" and everybody's like, "Oh no, oh no, you're kidding me, right?" Right. And then moving on to an underappreciated movie, "Cutthroat Island," starring Gina Davis and Matthew Modine, I think. And it's swashbuckling. It's not great. It's like if they made it in 1999 or 2007, it might be as good as some of the pirate movies out there, Pirates right. of the Caribbean. So, um, you know, there's obviously. That's worth looking at if you're going to watch a – if you want to run a pirate campaign, there's some ideas there. You know, they're after the treasure, and they have to escape from the colony, the colonial forces, you know, and they got the whole on the wagon and the explosions and, you know, everything, right? Climbing up a cliff and finding the treasure in the cave. It's, it's great. It's got all the elements you need. Assassin's Creed uh, 4, Black Flag, yep. is a really uh, fun video game because it has the ability to board ships. And you can get – when you need new crew, you go on board a ship and you get the crew. So, you yeah. know, like they they're basically get a promotion, right? They're on your crew now. And do you have to work your way up through the ranks in that one too? Oh, well, there's like a story that you're going through. So you, okay. yeah, you're, I'm not going to get into the story of Assassin's Creed. Sure, sure. It's yeah, pretty yeah. crazy because yeah. you're from the future. Yeah. Yeah. You're from the future going to the past. It's, yeah. There's so many storylines in it. And it's crazy. the fourth one. So it's a little, right. it's kind of tough to jump in. But the idea yeah. is that if you just want to sail around, you know, have your boat and in a video game, shoot like cannons at someone well you got to position yourself right you got to get up and you got to get alongside them you can't just you know go and chase them around like a car with guns on the front right yeah you, you know your big guns are on the side so you got to you got to go and expose yourself then come back again and do it right and you know shoot their sails out all the rest of it so it's pretty fun and you know gives you an idea of how if you are going to do any tactical uh, combat in your campaign you know i have some rules up on tribality but i mean there's also rules out there minor more narrative but there's also really, really simulation-based rules if you want to get hardcore in the Skull and Shackles. Mm. There's also a book by Michael Crichton 
called Pirate Latitudes, which is very much a heist and pirate thing put together. Fantastic. And I uh, look forward to Dead Men Tell No Tales in 2017, Pirates of the Caribbean Fire. Yes, oh, I'm excited for that, too. Four. What's that? <laughs> That I hope it's better than number four. Yeah. Indiana yeah. Jones 5 is going to be way better than Indiana Jones 4. Uh, Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we actually recognize that as an Indiana Jones movie? Well, yeah, what, um, I don't know. If they bring dinosaurs and Chris Pratt, then it might be okay. That's they true. Just go from <laughs> they just bring that head. into the Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a little Easter egg in the background. You see Chris Pratt, like, waving the dinosaurs on. <laughs> they bring Guardians of the Galaxy into uh, Indiana Jones 6. <laughs> it, the other thing is if you're ever dying, if you bitches, I'm like, oh, man, look at these dinosaurs. But my players, I can't bring those into the kingdom of Quest a lot. So if you wanted to bring in dinosaurs, you have an island of dinosaurs. You know, you're there in you and go. out through sessions. Everybody got to go and fight a T-Rex, and you're gone. Or you have to deal with a pack of raptors. Exactly, right? You know, and you can go and have, like, the, the they can go and have the interaction with, like, you know, the more docile ones who decide to uh, attack them. Well, and then maybe you even have the uh, the captain of the ship have one of those little teeny tiny carnivorous uh, dinosaurs hanging out on his shoulder instead of a parrot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's like, that's a whole story. Sense. Where'd you get that? Oh, it's, like, over there. You know, here's a treasure map. <laughs> Jurassic Park. To do I'm that's how you I got get one day before whole... retirement. Yeah, that's how you get rid of a whole ship of people you don't like. Yeah, go and go and find that island over there. Arr, welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> T-Rex walking called, around yeah. with a, a hook on his hand. Oh gosh. <laughs> is it, what is it? Isle of Dread? Doesn't the Isle of Dread is a is is a campaign, an old school mm-hmm. campaign that can easily be brought into pirate campaign as well. So yeah, that's really like that's that's more than enough. I think I was looking to cover. You know, these are just some ideas to get started for sure. So that's all we have for you on the meet today. We are not going to say goodbye to Sean right now, not because we're rude, but because he is graciously wants to stay with us throughout the light bulb. He's going to help us with our light bulb, and he's going to just say goodbye at the end. So without any further ado, let's get into our light bulb. Light bulb. This week for the light bulb, it's pirate themed again. Uh, we decided to stick with what we're talking about in the regular episode. Uh, we've done it in the past where we've talked about various different things we're working on or we've done that have nothing to really do with the specific episode we're talking about. But this week we decided to give you a little bit of a taste of uh, some different name calling that you could call your your characters or your your players or whatever you have within your world. We're we're looking at a website called PirateGlossary.com. So if you ever decide to do a pirate-themed campaign, go and check this website out. You will get a ton of information. It's got areas of the ship, financials, measurements, masts, name-calling, phrases, famous pirates, places, all this different interesting stuff that you can find on there that you can use for your campaign. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go through a little bit of the name-calling, and we're going to have Mitch and Sean, uh, they're going to alternate back and forth. I'm going to say a word. Super ready for this. Say the definition. (laughs) And then they are going to use the word as if they were a pirate. So, you guys ready? Uh, yeah, as ready as we'll ever be. All right. The first word is bilgerat. Uh, the definition is, one, a rat living in the bilge of a ship. It is considered the lowliest creature by pirates, but many pirates resort to eating the animals to survive. Number two is an insulting name given by a pirate. So, Mitch. Should I give both? Both bilgerat? Yeah, go whatever you want to do. All right, all right. First bilgerat. Here we go. <laughs> Ah, this bilgerat tastes pretty nasty. <laughs> and then, of course, come here, you bilgerat. <laughs> All right. 
the next one, uh, Brethren of the Coast. It says, this is the definition, a self-given title of the Caribbean buccaneers between 1640 and 1680, who made a pact to discontinue plundering amongst themselves. After 1680, a new generation of pirates did not trust each other, and the fraternity ended. You be the brethren of the... Co- sorry, I gotta start over, man. This <laughs> Can you read the definition again? Yeah, it's a, a, a self-given title of the Caribbean buccaneers between 1640 and 1680, who made a pact to discontinue plundering amongst themselves. After 1680, a new generation of pirates did not trust each other, and the fraternity ended. Yar be untrusty, you not be a brethren of the coast, matey. if if you want just just so you know uh me and sean are demonstrating also that every single sentence a pirate starts has to start with r i or yar so (laughs) that'd be right (laughs) that'd be true (laughs) so we can't let the people down we gotta show (laughs) yeah so here's another one bucko it's a term that's kind of still used today here hey way to go bucko you did great you know uh, but it's a familiar term meaning friend. Arr, Chris and Sean, they be me best buckles. <laughs> <laughs> the next one we have is hearties, uh, a term of familiar address and fellowship among sailors. Let's be getting that treasure, me hearties. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, me hearties. And hearties always has to be prefaced with the word me. The next one we have is Jack Ketch, says the hangman. The dance with Jack Ketch is to hang. Our me captain, he met with old Jack Ketch last night. Oh. <laughs> That's unfortunate. You're the captain now. I'm the now. captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is Knave. It's a, certain, a servant boy or a dishonorable man. Also, a jack in a deck of cards. I, your Knave, go swab the decks. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Very smooth. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's had a little too much grog. Yeah. Uh, the next one is lad, a way to address a younger male. Come here, lad, lick me boots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, better than lick me booty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. That's a yeah. lot better. <laughs> booty is enough. Why isn't booty on this list? Well, because it's name calling. It's not treasure. That's under treasure. Oh. Or that's under finances. <laughs> All right, the next one we have is landlubber. As a person unfamiliar with the sea or seamanship, the term doesn't derive from land lover, but rather from the root of lubber, meaning clumsy or uncoordinated. Aye, you lubbers, just like you've never been on this ship. <laughs> you ate me buckos. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, you know, if you're in the know, you don't say the land no. <laughs> uh, the next one is the word lass. It's a way to address a younger female. The only thing I love more than me booty is me bunny lass. <laughs> Buckos. <laughs> the next one we have is matey, a practical way to address someone in a cheerful, if not necessarily friendly fashion. I think this one's been covered, but ahoy, matey. Why did we do the whole episode in Pirate Talk? Because <laughs> people would hate us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I already hate us. <laughs> uh, all right, the next one is Picaroon. Picaroon? Picaroon? Says a scoundrel. Aye, that scoundrel, he be a picaroon. <laughs> that scoundrel be a scoundrel? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, all right, the next one we have is Quartermaster. It says, during the golden age of piracy, this was the highest ranking pirate on a ship under the captain, usually elected by the crew. Quartermaster was the only officer on a ship who could veto a captain's decision, but only when the ship was not engaged in battle or on a mission. 
I be the captain, and no quartermaster be giving me no quarter on me ship during battle. Oh, that was there good. we go. There <laughs> we go. Uh, Rap scallion is the next word. A mischievous person or a scoundrel. I some rapscallion stole me cockatrice. <laughs> some scoundrel rapscallion <laughs> is a pickaroon. <laughs> get me buckles together. The list just keeps like repeating itself. It's, it's like every yeah, time yeah, you get to like the, the fifth item, you have to do two, three, and four. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, a scallywag is a villainous or mischievous person. Are you be a scallywag and untrustworthy? <laughs> and a villainous person. <laughs> and a bad, bad man. <laughs> you ate me bucko. <laughs> yeah, you are me bucko. No, like ya, yeah, scallywag. We got Yoda, Yoda pirate. Arr. Yoda pirate's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, all right, the, last, uh, the second to last one is strumpet. A promiscuous woman, a female prostitute. All right, you pickaroon, you better not call me lass a strumpet no more. <laughs> All right, the last one is wench, a young woman or peasant girl, sometimes a prostitute. Ah, <laughs> uh, she be a fine lass, though she is a wench. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and a bit strong. I love it. <laughs> I always think of the saucy wench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, so that's that's what we have for the light bulb. It's fun. Go on the uh, pirate or pirateglossary.com and look up. All the different things that they have it in store for so you. So many things. There's a so lot check of it out. Great if you're gonna do a pirate campaign, yeah. or if you're just gonna have a night where you meet pirates. So. Speaking of nights, don't forget <laughs> that on what day is it? It's coming up. I think, isn't it? It's coming September up in 19th. a few months. September 19th. There you go. Is National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yes. Yep. They even Facebook actually a couple years ago put in a setting that you could change your Facebook language to pirate. It <laughs> translated everything into pirate speak. That's awesome. It was Don't great forget. for the first week, and then it was annoying. <laughs> you had it for a week? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's I think you broken. can. I think you can still change it on Facebook, like to Pirate Talk. I'm pretty sure that's a that's an option you have. Yar be an illuminating light bulb, me hearties. <laughs> She'll kick you in the booty. <laughs> All right. Light bulb. That's all we have for you today on the Dungeon Masters blog. We hope that you have enjoyed this awesome episode about pirates. We hope that uh, you enjoy just hearing from us, of course, and uh, Sean, as he was so gracious to join us and be a guest on our episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. Sean, if anybody here wants to get in touch with you and tell you about maybe a pirate campaign story they have, or ask you anything about pirates, or uh, you know, ask you for your personal numbers so that they can uh, talk pirate with you, where do they contact you at? For everything other than that last item? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, they want to uh, go to tribality.com and on the right side, on the sidebar, there's an About Tribality and there's a Contact Us link right there and you know, they can go and, uh, you know, click on that and that will uh, bring up our contact page. There's a contact form on there and we, and we get them all. And the good thing about that is instead of having to know my email or anyone's, you can go and reach any of the writers. So if you want to go and like, you know, talk to Rich about aquatic stuff or you want to, you know, talk to me about pirate stuff or, you know, you want to go and talk about like any other crazy columns. Survivalist yeah. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, want, you want to go and learn how to survive the zombie apocalypse? He's your man. So if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we have an email, dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can... 
hit us up there with your stories of pirate talk and booty and all that stuff. We'd love to hear about it. You can also, if you feel so inclined, send us a five-star review on iTunes. We would love that. It uh, helps for our podcast to get out there and see that people actually think it's good and they want to be a part of the community as well. And you get a shout-out. And you get a shout-out, awesome. yep. Uh, and also you can find us on Stitcher. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places you'll be able to follow our podcast, get updates about when episodes are coming out, and just all-around great DM slash GM goodness. Last but not least, we have a Patreon shout-out for this week. This week's Patreon member of the week is... Neil! Just Neil! Just Neil! Thanks, Neil! We appreciate everything that you're doing for us, your contribution to the show. I feel like that could be a TV show. Just Neil! Just Neil! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Let's get a Patreon going for that TV show. Yeah, right, right. Thanks, Neil. We really appreciate it. Thank you for everything. Yeah, thank you so much. We really, truly appreciate it, Neil. Well, that's all that we have for you today on the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, yar, and lowering the egos of all the picaroons at the table. <laughs> Have a good night, good evening, whatever it is, the time of day. Keep on dungeon mastering. See ya. All right, bye. Goodbye.